Thank you for listening to the podcasts from Life Central Church. For more information or to visit one of our locations, go to lifecentralchurch.org.uk. Well, if we haven't met, let me just quickly introduce myself to you. My name is Adam. I'm one of the pastors on the team here at Life Central Church, and it is a real privilege to be speaking to you tonight. I kind of uh, knew I was speaking late on Sunday, and I wasn't sure what I was going to speak on. And I had a little bit of a trial and an ordeal of what I was going to speak on. I decided what I was going to speak on, and then God said, no, I want you to speak on something different yesterday morning. So I had to rewrite what I was going to do, and I really believe this is from God for us. And so I actually want to speak on trials I want to speak about when we go through difficult things. And I had no idea what, really what the worship was prepared for tonight because it wasn't a service that I was organising. And then I looked at the song list and I was like, wow, God, you, you really want me to speak on trials because you're talking about a lot of this stuff in how we're worshipping. And so I'm going to read from the letter of James. And James was the younger brother of Jesus. Imagine being the younger brother of the most perfect human being that ever lived. I mean, flipping heck, I, hate, I hated being a younger brother, let alone to Jesus. That would be unbelievably difficult. But James... He's also a minister and he writes to the church and he tells us this. He says, consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking in anything. And then it goes on to say in verse 12, blessed is the one who perseveres under trial because having stood the test, that person will receive the crown of life that the Lord has promised to those who love him. You know, I've entitled my talk tonight, Do Not Waste Your Trial. The question isn't, will you face a trial? Because, hey, look, we will all face a trial. That's part of life. The question is, how will we respond to those trials? Because facing trials is as much a part of our human nature as breathing in air. We all face them, and therefore we must all respond to them. And I guess right now, tonight, in this room, there will be many of us facing trials. At home, watching online, there will be people going through trials. I would beg to differ that it will be the majority of us that will be going through this. Maybe it's a workplace situation, a difficult project or a pressurised situation. Maybe it's a relationship with a family member or a friend. Maybe it's a health issue. Maybe it's a financial trial you're going through. Whatever it is, I'm sure that we'll be all facing different trials. Here's the thing. I face trials on a regular basis. And right now, I think I'm probably facing one myself. But how I respond to it will not only define me, but will define the people and those who are connected to it as well. And so it's really important that we respond to our trials in the right way. You see, Jesus, he never promised us that life would be perfect if you became a Christian. I run the Alpha course, and one of the first things that I say on Alpha is, if you become a Christian, your life will not be perfect. Actually, Jesus said that, that there will be trials and tribulations that you will face. But he says, take heart because I have overcome those things in the world. You see, you can't choose your trials and what they are and when they come, but you can choose how you see your trials and how you respond to them. In this passage, we see that those trials can work something good. Uh, they can even be a little bit of a blessing to us. In, within those trials, you might even find the answer that you are looking for. So don't waste your trials. In fact, James, the writer, he says this. He says, treat your trial like a gift. Now, you might be listening to this tonight and thinking, a gift? 
Are you mad? What's wrong with you? Like, the thing that I'm going through, you have no idea how difficult it is. It is so difficult and so painful. There is no way that I'm treating this like a gift. It's more like a curse. But, you know, how you see your trial, it often determines how we respond to a trial. James writes this, and he writes it with wisdom. He says, consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds. Consider it. In other words, frame it, think about it. When we consider something, we ponder over it. When you go to an art museum and you see a beautiful piece of art framed, you you consider it, you take time to, to consider the different elements of it and aspects of it. And when you consider it in a different way, your response to it will change. You see, the message translation says this, consider it a sheer gift, friends, when tests and challenges come at you from all sides. It may not feel like a gift, It may not feel like joy. It may not be a good thing in upon itself. It might not even be something that you would even wish upon your worst enemy. But we can consider it differently and frame it differently and treat it in a way that helps our response to be different. You see, the process of considering it and responding to it is really important because it can have effect upon us and those around us. The risk is if we don't look at it as a gift, we will see it as a curse. And we won't learn from it and grow from it. The question often is, is it a a problem to solve or a tension to manage? Because they are two very different things. and, And they cause us to frame it in very different ways and respond to it, therefore, in different ways. James says, when you face trials, not if you face trials. Not you might, but when you face trials. You will, I will face trials. This means that just because you're facing a trial, and this is important, it does not mean God is angry at you. It does not mean you've done something wrong. Just because we face trials, it doesn't mean that we don't have hope for the future. You see, trials are part and parcel of life. They just come, and we need to learn to frame them and respond to them. It doesn't matter if you're rich or poor. It doesn't matter if you're good or bad or old or young. You see, trials, they're inclusive. They're not exclusive. They do not discriminate. They're for everybody. And it's important for us to know that trials aren't God's verdict upon your life. It's not God's sentence upon you because you're a bad person or you've done something wrong. You see, you could live a perfect life and you would still face trials. Just look at the life of Jesus Christ. Jesus lived literally a perfect life on earth, yet he faced mental trials. He faced physical trials and he faced spiritual trials and emotional trials. The guy was facing trials left, right and centre. And that is part and parcel of life. You see, unless you start to reframe your trial, it can start to undermine your faith and cause you to have a negative reaction. And so you see, the challenge is, how can I treat my trial as a gift? How can I see this thing that's causing me so much pain and being awkward in my life as a gift? At the start of the year, I uh, realised in my life uh, that I was eating very unhealthy and drinking very unhealthy things like lots of sugary drinks and, and takeaways. And I actually realised I'd ballooned in weight and I'd stopped doing exercise about two years ago. And um, when Alison came on staff, we decided we would do this health kick and I tried it for like a couple of weeks and I failed miserably, didn't I, Alison? And the staff were laughing because it's true. But I realised at the end of last year how unhealthy my lifestyle was. And so I decided that I was going to start running. And I hate running. I was decided that I was going to do intermittent fasting. I was going to lose some weight. And, and I've lost a bit of weight. But 
here's the thing, I had to decide to do this thing and look at it differently. So I decided to, do, uh, to start running and I decided that in the summer, my goal was to run 10 kilometers in one go, by the way, not 10 kilometers by summer, but 10 kilometers in one go. It wasn't like by summer, I'll, I'll do like five, 50 yards a day. No, by, in one go. And I, if you follow me on social media, you would have seen, I actually completed 10, just over 10 kilometers on Saturday morning, which was a massive thing for me. So at the start of the year, I couldn't even run a bath and now I'm running 10 kilometers. And I, run, I ran six kilometers today. And I don't say this to brag because actually it's a really difficult thing for me to go out every morning when I run. I run at 6.30 in the morning and I hate it. I hate getting my shoes on and I hate going for a run. And then I told some friends about this, two, two or three separate friends who love a bit of running. One of them, I think, is in the house and I can see him tonight. And he said, and they all said separately, why don't we run together? And I was like, well, that's a terrible idea because I mean, you've never seen me run. I plod, I sweat, I make all sorts of horrible noises. There is no way I'm running with you. But the truth is, having someone with you encourages you. When you're struggling and feeling tired and burnt out, they help you reframe your reality. And it help, they help you respond to the literal trial that you're going through. And so I go running with two friends now. I go running with Sanjeev Kohli from BBC Five, Couch to 5K in my ears. And I also run with Nikita from the Nike running app. And they help me. They help me reframe the situation that I'm in. So this morning when I got up and I ran six kilometres, uh, Sanjeev was with me for the first five kilometres and he's so brilliant because he's like, go on, you're doing a great job, I'm so proud of you, you've been running for five minutes and I'm like, five minutes feels like five hours, mate. And then he's like, you can do this, I believe in you and then he finishes after 5k and I'm like, <gasps> and then the Nike running app's like, you've got one kilometre to go, you're doing great, keep the pace up, you're nearly there. And it helps me suddenly reframe the situation and the trial that I'm in. You see, you might be facing a trial right now in your life and it might not be fun, it might not be enjoyable. You might wish it wasn't there. But if Jesus is right next to you, that changes the dynamic and the way that you see it. It changes how you can frame it. You can say, you are with me in this, Jesus. You're in me, Holy Spirit, and you're through this situation. And I can face this and I can reframe it and start to treat it as a gift. Not because it's enjoyable or it's good, it's a good thing in itself, but because good things can be drawn out of it. You see, I hate running, but I see the good things that are being drawn out of it. I'm getting fitter and healthier. I'm losing weight. My mental health is getting better, but I still flipping hate it. You see, some of the trials we face don't make sense, but I'd rather experience them with Jesus at my side because this is really important, guys. Hear this. Joy is not the absence of suffering, but the presence of Jesus. It's not the absence of suffering. And we mistake that, but it is the presence of Jesus in our lives, which means trials can become a gift because it will push you closer to him. That doesn't mean it's a nice experience at times, or it's something that we have to fake over and have that fake smile like, life's perfect, yeah, you know, I'm totally fine. But because life isn't like that. Let's get real. Life is tough at times. But it does mean we can reframe our trials and see it in the light of who Jesus is. Rather than reassess the truth of who Jesus is in the light of our trials. It may have been used to harm you, but he can use it to bring good to you. He can use it to build you and help you. And when we reframe these things, it changes our outlook on life and society that we're part of. 
You know, I hate running. I've said this a number of times. I even hate putting on my running shoes. I bought some new running shoes the other day. And I was like, I don't even spend this much money on my normal shoes, let alone running shoes. Well, who does this? But I can see the good coming out of it. And it's helping me reframe it. It's helping me see this trial no longer as a trial, but as a gift to my body and to me. You see, trials will either shake your faith or strengthen your faith. It will either pull you closer or push you away. The difference is how we reframe it. Don't waste your trial. Make the decision to reframe your trial and see it in a different light. Not because you enjoy the pain, but because of what it signifies. You see, I have to remind myself on a daily basis that God loves me. Even in the most confusing and painful of times in my life, it still means that God loves me and he's committed to me. And the same goes for you. You see, he turns our trials into our testimony. And my trial isn't a punishment to be resented, but it is a gift to be received. Treat your trial like a gift. Uh, The other way is seeing the blessing in the trial. That's what James tells us. He says there's a blessing within it. Trials aren't fun. They are upsetting and awkward and difficult. But they also work something in you of profound spiritual value. You know, in a trial, God can teach you stuff that he can't teach you when you're not in that trial. When you're up against something, he will teach you something and a lesson to learn that, he, that you wouldn't learn if you were not going through that situation. James says this, he says, you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking in anything. Then he goes on to say this, blessed, blessed is the one who perseveres under trial. Trials will produce perseverance. It will help you to keep going and it will help you to grow and mature. In other words, you become richer, obviously not financially. I mean, I wish that was true because if that was true, I'd be running every day, but that's not true. But you become, you become richer with knowledge and a deepness of your faith and understanding. So how do we do that? You see, I think we all feel anxious at times And that's because at different times, we all build ourselves and our lives on things that can change. For instance, our job statuses, our job situations, our finances, our health, our relationships. You know, like we can say, well, you know, life's tough in one area of my life, but I've got it locked down in this area. It's absolutely fine. But what happens when those things get get challenged or they change as a result of the trial that you face? You know, sometimes they can be little things, but other times they can be Big things. Like for me, I remember three and a bit years ago, my brother said to me, he called me, he said, can you come over and, and hang out with me? And I said, yeah. And I went to see my brother. And my brother had looked like he'd been losing weight for a little bit. And we had been like, well, it's obviously stress. And he sat us down and said, um, I need to tell you something. And I said, yeah, yeah, what is it? He says, I'm not, I'm not very well. And we were like, obviously, go and eat something. And he was like, I've got cancer. Uh, and we were like, what? And, and okay, yeah, well, we'll help you. And he was like, no, no, it's terminal. And, and we were like, well, okay, well, that's fine. Well, we can pull together. We're, we're smart people. We can get all of the information that we can get together and we can help you. And he's like, no, that won't help. I'm like, okay, okay. So we, we don't have the knowledge of it. But if we pull together all our resources, all of our money, then surely we can get you to a specialist and you will get saved, right? And he's like, no, that won't help. And I'm like, well, what, what about this situation? And no, it won't help. And you see, Simon died about... 10 months later, just before his birthday and his daughter's birthday. And it was really sad and it was heartbreaking and it still is for us as a family. And you know, it rocked us and it shook us. 
And the things that I relied upon, like my knowledge and wealth and other things around me, all of a sudden they didn't cut it anymore. And some of those things, you see, they're not going to see us through to eternity. They are because they're not strong enough. In themselves, they're not bad things. It's not a bad thing to have money or to have jobs and things and security. But actually, those things aren't going to see us through. They're not strong enough. So how do we face those sorts of trials? How did I face that sort of trial? Well, you know, see, James writes, we need to persevere through this. And through this trial that I faced, and I still face it about, about his death, and I'm sure others have that feeling when they have had someone pass away, I had to learn to pray through my grief and my wounds and my tears. And that was really hard. There was moments where I didn't have words to say. I didn't know what to say to God. I, didn't, I had all these feelings and I didn't know what to do. And, and, and I realised I wasn't feeding my soul with his word. And I thought, well, I don't know what to do here. And I tried listening to the Bible one, one year. It didn't really work for me. I tried reading my Bible and it didn't work for me. And, and then I, I was trying to worship and it was hurting me all the time. And I realised that I had to sing to my soul through this process. And so I would drive my car around and listen to worship music and I would cry and I would sing and I would worship. And this is how I started to overcome the trial that I was going through. And then finally, I lent on my friends. God gave me a great set of friends. And I would encourage you, if you haven't got people that you can lean upon, go and find them right now. Because it's so important in these seasons of life when we go through trials that we can lean upon these people. You know, I, I, a few years ago, I was a minister in training in Elam and I was sat in a conference and uh, one of the sessions was get a next level set of friends. Go to the next level with your friends. And I just looked around and thought, I haven't got any. And then all of a sudden, God provided me with these three other ministers in training and they're my, some of my best friends now. And we have a little WhatsApp group. We call ourselves Next Level. And those are the boys who helped me feed my soul with the word. They prayed for me when I couldn't pray. They helped me worship when I couldn't worship. And they listened to me when I needed to be listened to. You see, it's not easy. And I know that not everybody goes through that similar situation, but we all face trials. And, and I would encourage you, when you're going through a trial, to pray through your wounds, to feed your soul with his word. If you can't do that, use the Bible in one year or Lectio 365. There's loads of different apps out there. And worship in your pain, because God will do something with that. And then finally, lean on your friends. You see, these are the things that helped me reframe my trials and enabled me to persevere. I would encourage you, do not waste your trials. See, trials are not God's rejection of you, but more like his refining of you to help you reflect Jesus. Just like the gold, or the goldsmith who refines the gold to become pure. He's refining us to become purer and purer, more like Jesus himself. The day that my brother died, I got a phone call and said, can you come to the hospice in Warwick? So I jumped in the car, I was in Kidderminster at the time, and I bombed down the motorway. I don't think I've ever driven as fast as that. And if you know me, I drive pretty quick. And I got there so fast, and, and it was so incredibly sad. And my brother, you know, he was a big guy like me, and he didn't look like him anymore. He was shriveled, and he just didn't look very well at all. And we knew that he was going. But you know, one of the most beautiful things about him in that moment, and I, rem I hold on to it more now than ever, and now I reflect on it, is I could see this shine from him. There was a real shine from him. See, Simon was a pastor, but that doesn't really make much difference. He just loved Jesus, and he served Jesus, and he 
helped him reframe his trial. And I think what I saw in that moment was the glory of God shining through Simon. And that's really hard to say that because my brother was a pain in the butt at times. But I saw the glory of God shining through him. Because remember, James says this, blessed is the one who perseveres under trial because having stood the test, that person will receive the crown of life that the Lord has promised to those who love him. I'm coming into land now. You see, your passion is what you're prepared to suffer for. That's what the word passion means. What are you prepared to suffer for? You might be struggling to stand firm in the trial you're facing today. You see, there is a promise in that passage that you will get a blessing that is waiting for you, a crown of life for those who have responded to his love with love. In one sense, it's also connected to the trial that you face. You see, the cross that you bear will often become the crown that you wear. Just take Jesus. You see, Jesus, at the hour of his death, was hung on a cross and they placed the crown of thorns upon him, mocking him. But now for eternity, he is worshipped as the king of kings by billions. His wounds were not marks of shame, but jewels in his crown, because they aren't scars of shame, but wounds of glory. He's worshipped by billions because he didn't avoid the trial but he stands firm in the trial. And when you see and feel and know his love, you know this love is his love for you. And his power is bigger and stronger than the trials we face. He embraced the trial to win you and me. I really feel passionately about this. Do not waste your trial because God wants to do something with it. I'm not saying it's easy. I'm not saying it's simple. But I really feel in my soul, God's saying, trust me tonight. Trust me. Trust me in this season. As a church, we're going to go through a change over this next season. I'm going to be moving on and things are going to change a little bit. Trust him. He's got it. He knows what he's doing. He was on the throne yesterday. He's on the throne today. And he's on the throne forevermore. And he loves you. And I want to encourage you tonight. God knows what he's doing. You see, when Andy couldn't preach, I said I would do it. And I was like, what am I going to do? And then I phoned Dan. I said, Dan, I'm I'm not sure what I'd do for a response song. He said, well, actually, this is awkward. I've written a song and I was going to perform it. But I'm not sure it will fit for you tonight. I said, send it to me. And I'll listen to it. He sent me it yesterday. I was driving my car to see somebody. And I just was weeping as I was hearing it. It is beautiful. And I think it's Jesus' words to us. And so I want to encourage you in this response moment to allow the words to permeate into your heart. Those things, those trials that you face, bring them forward and present them to God. Trust Him with them because He loves you and He's got you. And then once we've sang this song, Sam and Hannah are going to come back up and they're going to lead us in a time of communion. And remember, those scars are there for you and me because he wears them as his crown of glory. You and me are his crown of glory. So this is Dan's song and let him sing it to you. Let him minister to you in this moment. Thanks so much for listening.